Hello and welcome to the Pondering Scripture Podcast, where we'll open God's Word and let Him guide our lives. I'm your host, Jeremiah Cox. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Pondering Scripture Podcast. Consider that the institution of marriage is a life-giving one, and that resulting life is a precious vessel which brings immeasurable joy to all who surround it. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, Psalm 127 and verse 3. Yes, happiness overflows the lives of those blessed by little ones, an experience only made possible by our loving God. And still God continues to impress with his purposes behind such a masterpiece. For it is not simply seeing, kissing, and caressing the soft round face which blesses our lives, but also the lessons we can learn from that new life. For nine months, that beautiful life enjoyed comfort in the mother's womb. And upon entering a new environment, comfort remains a result of being brought into her embrace. For that babe is completely dependent. It cannot defend itself, supply for itself proper nutrients necessary for growth, clothe itself, find shelter by itself, nor perform any other action to get by. Without caregiving parents, the baby is helpless. And as the little child grows, the dependency continues naturally resulting in a humble disposition. The child is literally incapable of looking down on another, so it looks up in need. Not once does that child suppose living separate from mother or father is a viable option. Not once does it think itself capable of self-sufficiency. A child does not think highly of self, but recognizes its humble position of dependency. And so, in response to a foolish quarrel among his disciples about who would be the greatest in the kingdom— The Lord uttered powerful words. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 through 4. So when our adversary lays before us the false notion that we're greater than others, let us remember that of such is not the kingdom of heaven. For that kingdom is erected for those poor in spirit, who mourn and are meek, and hunger and thirst for that which they cannot provide for themselves, but find only in sweet communion with their Creator. Let us all remember to become like a little child and remain that way to the end. That was half of an article that I wrote in 2016, January of that year, after my first niece was born. It was something that was on my mind at that time, and I considered What a great deal that we could learn, according to the wisdom of our Lord, from little children. And that's on my mind lately, because my wife Zoe and I have recently been given a blessing from the Lord in our firstborn child, Collins Luis. The past couple of weeks have been such a wonderful time, where we've gotten to spend time with our new baby girl, and indeed there's a lot of things that I think that I've started to learn from Collins. It's interesting because she being a newborn doesn't do much. She just lays there and wants to be fed and then wants to be changed and then wants to sleep, and me and her mother are all over her. We are just filled with pride for her and filled with love for her, and our love of each other has grown stronger even in her entrance into the world. Indeed, children are a blessing from the Lord, a heritage, and 
He is greatly to be praised for the gift of children that he gives to us. And so consider children and consider how much a blessing they are, not just to their parents, but to humanity in general, and that we can learn great spiritual truths and qualities and virtues from them. It's interesting that our perspectives and ideas are not generally the same as God's, and how much more true is that concerning greatness? Because when the disciples of the Lord had that dispute, Jesus did not bring out some noble man from the crowd. He didn't look to some celebrity or some famous person or some highly successful businessman or farmer or whatever it may have been during the first century in Palestine. He didn't grab a Pharisee or a member of the Sanhedrin court. But what he did is he called a little child over to him. Matthew 18 records that at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Indeed, children are a great example as to what we should be as children of God. Jesus showed the perspective of greatness that he and the Father have, this perspective in eternity of understanding their creation to need humility in order to be great. You know, in our independence and self-provision as adults, we tend to lose some qualities that are certainly great in children and admirable. They're qualities that we need to return to. They're qualities that are only lost because of our failure to consider what we should be before God. It's qualities that are naturally possessed by those as children who don't get caught up in everyday life. They don't get caught up in the things that adults get caught up in. And so, They possess these qualities really inherent within themselves, and it's only when we start to become more aware of the physical world around us and aware of ourselves, to be just frank, that we lose those qualities necessary to be right with God, and and sin enters our lives, and really the only way we can be in a relationship with God then is to return to the qualities we had as little children. In fact, Jesus shows Not just what is necessary for greatness, but he says that the necessity that you need to have in order to even enter the kingdom, period, is found in children. We need to turn back to these qualities. In the 19th chapter of Matthew, in verse 13, little children were brought to Jesus that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. So the quality of children is what will be in the quality of God's children who gain entrance into the kingdom. And after mentioning that the very need of the quality of children to even enter the kingdom, he then addressed the question of the disciples of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And we notice in verse For he says, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest. 
what that implies is that anyone and everyone can become like this little child, but not only that, must become as this little child. So really, whoever is in the kingdom, because of the necessity for the entrance into the kingdom to be as a little child, whoever is a member of the kingdom is the greatest. And so really, there is no greatest in the kingdom except the king himself and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So we need to return to the quality we had as little children. And I want us to note the first quality that really is in the context of Matthew, the 18th chapter, that we're to return to, that we're to repossess, if you will, and that's the quality of humility. The very dispute among the disciples was, who is the greatest? They had pride. They certainly had a misunderstanding of the kingdom of God. They thought it to be physical, and they'll only come to realize that's not the case after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension even, until the day of Pentecost when the kingdom was established and it was obviously not physical but spiritual. Humility is key. If we are ever to become members of the kingdom, and if we're to remain members of the kingdom that are fulfilling our citizenship and the responsibility therein, humility is key. And you know, Jesus wasn't speaking out of turn. He wasn't speaking hypocritically. Jesus manifested great humility in his life and even greater than we could ever consider because of who he is, the Son of God. In John 13, he showed this humility by washing the disciples' feet. And afterward, he said, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He got up from the table and prepared himself as a servant would. And then washed his disciples' feet, displaying a great service in humility. And what that did was it typified what he was about to do in his crucifixion. As Philippians 2 and verse 8 says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We're to follow Jesus in humble servitude toward God and each other. We're to imitate children and the humility that they possess. Consider again the reading that I began this episode with. As the little child grows, the dependency continues, naturally resulting in a humble disposition. The child is literally incapable of looking down on another, so it looks up in need. Not once does that child suppose living separate from mother or father is a viable option. Not once does it think itself capable of self-sufficiency. A child does not think highly of itself, but recognizes its humble position of dependency. And I acknowledge that children don't fully recognize it, but they certainly live like it because it's true. And so before God, we need to be humble. If we're to be continuing citizens in the kingdom that is bearing fruit for our God. James 4 and verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You see, the very need to enter the kingdom of heaven comes from a recognition of sin 
thus comes with that humility that Jesus talked about. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, Jesus in the Beatitudes lists some qualities of those who would be citizens of the kingdom. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're not just poor physically. They may not be poor physically, but they are all poor in spirit. That is, they recognize that they're spiritually bankrupt. As Paul said in Romans, the seventh chapter, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. They don't think of themselves as people who are capable of producing righteousness in themselves and thus earning any entrance into the blessed kingdom of our Lord. But they're individuals who acknowledge their sin and thus humbly come before God in a plea for forgiveness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And that's shown in the context of James chapter 4. We recently studied this in our um, studies of the epistle of James in previous episodes. James writes in James 4 verse 7, Therefore submit to God after he talked about friendship with the world and how it's at enmity with God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The whole idea of salvation requires humility. So if we're in need of saving, it implies that we have failed in sin. And so we have no reason to act as if we've done something that's worth bragging about. We have no reason to have pride. What's more humbling than understanding that you will be lost for eternity in hellfire and you can do nothing to help yourself, and so you turn in full need of someone else, of their power to save, of their death, that they submitted to, not because of their own faults and misdeeds, but because of yours, so that you did not have to die. What a great act of service, and what a humbling truth that that had to happen in order for us to even have an opportunity to be saved. Humility is key before each other as well. And that was the problem among the disciples. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? They disputed among each other. They argued with each other. They thought that they were better than each other and they deserved a better place in the kingdom. That can't be so if the body of Christ is to thrive and be healthy and be successful and to be the pillar and ground of the truth that God calls us to be as members of a local church. We need humility. In Colossians 3 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You know, verse 14 talks about how love is the bond of perfection, but in those Virtues just mentioned in verse 12, if any of them is the glue which holds it all together, I would suggest to you it's humility, which is right there in the middle. How are we going to be merciful to someone if we're so arrogant, we're not willing to stoop down to help them? Galatians chapter 6 talks about that. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of 
gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. He who thinks himself to be something is really nothing. Why are we going to be kind to someone unless we're humble and we understand that they have value? How are we going to be long-suffering with someone if we're just too full of ourselves to put up with whatever it is they're doing? How are we going to bear with one another and the differences that we possess and the different opinions that we hold, maybe the weaknesses of our brethren, like Romans 14 talks about, in their weak consciences and inability without defiling their conscience to do something that we know good and well is actually a liberty and we have authority to do. What's going to help us to step back and realize that that is not something we should persist in if it's going to cause problems and cause our brethren to stumble? Humility is key. How are we ever going to forgive one another if we think that we're above need of forgiveness or above handing out forgiveness ourselves? We need to remember that Christ forgave us, so we must also do. But that comes with humility. When my brother or sister in Christ needs forgiveness from me for a sin they've committed and has repented of, who am I to withhold that forgiveness when I am one who needs forgiveness all the more? Just as much as they do from me at the time, I need forgiveness from God. It takes humility to act as children of God and as brothers and sisters together in His family. That's the act that we're called to. That's the life we're called to. In Ephesians 4 and verse 1, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the body will only be preserved through lowliness, through gentleness and long suffering, through the endeavoring spirit to keep that unity, an effort that we all have and desire we all have. But there's going to be a lot of problems that come in the body of Christ if we're not humble. That was the problem in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12 with regard to spiritual gifts. The tongue speakers thought they were better than everyone else. And therefore, some of them had a low estimation of themselves. They they were almost too humble, really not too humble. They had a low self-esteem, which is not any more healthy than pride is. Humility is key. And what better way of learning humility than from little children. Like I mentioned before, Collins, my newborn daughter, is so humble, and she can't be anything but humble. All little children are humble. What does she have to brag about or boast about? She's lived on this earth for two weeks. What can she do for herself? As I mentioned before, it's impossible for her to even look down on someone. We've got to realize how small we really are in this world. And children can teach us that. We'll continue this study of becoming like children and thinking like children and being like children to be the servants God calls us to be in our next week's episode. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to this edition of Pondering Scripture. It may be that you have some questions or comments. If so, don't hesitate to email me at jeremiahstancox at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day.